morning, Chapel family. My own, there we go. It's good to be in the house of God tomorrow. It's always good to see people get baptized and say, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. So let's give them one big round of applause again. And thank you to our Next Steps team. So our Next Steps team prepares for this day for a couple, couple days ahead of time, sitting in the baptistry and getting people organized and taking care of them and serving them. So it's always great to have them helping as well. If you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to Job chapter 33 as we continue our Hearing the Voice of God series. And you heard Pastor Anthony share some of those details about the prophetic workshop and prophetic presbytery and all those things um, as well. And so it is good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, what is not good is... Every time we do baptisms and I have to wear swim trunks and I show my legs off, the whole church makes fun of me all morning long. Like, and I've heard every joke, are those your legs or are you ride the chicken? Like, you can't, you can't hurt my feelings anymore. Like, I've got this. Now, RJ has the same legs. I get to replay all those jokes against him. So uh, it's great to have a great encouraging atmosphere at church. Uh, you know, it's always, it's always good to spend time with other believers. And Friday, me and Pastor Brian hold, went and played golf. I haven't played golf in like three years. I just don't really have the time to do it with all the kids stuff going on. But Pastor Dylan, who we call the Flavor of the Month guy, his, his hobbies change every single 30 days. So he's doing jiu-jitsu. He said he's going to do an Ironman. That lasted like two and a half hours. Uh, he was going to ride his bicycle to work. That lasted like one day. Like, he's always changing. Well, last week, since the Masters was on, he wanted to play golf. So he went and played golf, and Pastor Brian went with him and whooped him from one side of the course to the other. So I was like, man, I, I need just some time to get some guy time in. And so that's Brian on Thursday. Let's go play golf on, fr on Friday. So we went to Joe Wheeler. I text Caleb Chambers, campus pastor, Church of the Highlands, good friends with him. I said, hey, man, you want to come? So we just started playing golf. And I haven't played in three years. Now, we start playing. I show up. I have to, you know, try to drive the driving range, try to hit a few golf balls. I haven't played in three years. Caleb Chambers gets there. He didn't hit a single golf ball in the driving range. So I already know this dude is good. First hole, pow, drives it right down the fairway, 250 yards. He keeps on going. So you got Brian who can sing his life. Brian's life is a musical. He literally sings every conversation. Caleb Chambers, we get back in the golf cart. I told Brian, I said, I hate Caleb Chambers. He's good at everything. He has a Joel Olstein smile. He's good looking. He does CrossFit. He drives a Tesla. Like, he's a modern hero. He's a renaissance man. Brian gets up and hits the golf ball down the middle of the fairway, singing the whole time. I'm like, I hate him too. Like, that's, I'm sitting there, I can't hit the golf ball. I'm chasing stuff in the wood. Like, my life was going right before my, like, I'm terrible at everything. I'm with this guy. Have you ever been around somebody, they're just so good at everything, it makes you sick to your stomach? That's how it was Friday. And, and as I share this message, like, a couple years ago, I, I realized I started feeling intimidated or insecure or felt less spiritual or less Christian than other believers who I called super Christians. Like, the way they described hearing God's voice was always so mystical or so supernatural, it made me feel like, even as a pastor, I didn't have a relationship with God. Like, when they heard God speak, it was like, the heavens opened up. God came right in the middle of Jack's while I was eating my chicken and biscuit, and he showed up, sat down, he ate a gravy and biscuit with me. And he started sharing with me these jewels and diamonds and the glory of the Lord, all these things, and I'm thinking, I've never had that experience. So I started second-guessing if I'd actually ever heard God's voice before because I didn't hear God's voice the way these super-Christians heard God's voice. And it actually started making me second-guess my relationship with God. And what I learned through that season is that just because God doesn't speak to me the way somebody else hears God doesn't mean God is not speaking to me. 
And I started to appreciate and value the way God speaks to me, even though it's different than the way God speaks to some other people. So if you would stand to your feet as we read Job uh, chapter 33, I'm going to start in verse 12. So what's happening is, if you know the story of Job, Job's being tested by Satan because God said, you can't make Job turn away from me. No matter what you do, he's going to serve me and honor me and obey me and love me. And so he goes through this terrible season of trial and tribulation and testing. And through that, at one point, he starts to question if God even hears him when he prays. And so he's speaking to one of his friends, Elihu, right here. And he's, he's saying, I, I don't even know if God speaks. And here's what he says. Behold, in this you are not right. So Elihu is telling Job, you're not right in this. Just because you're not hearing God right now doesn't mean God does not speak. For God is greater than man. Why do you contend against him, saying he will answer none of man's words? For God speaks in one way. Everybody say one way. He speaks in one way and in two. Everybody say two. Though man does not perceive it. What he's saying is God speaks in one, two. That's actually, in the Hebrew, means many, many, many ways man just doesn't perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, while they slumber on their beds, then he opens the ears of men. And I'm going to stop right there. So many times we think that God only speaks in one way. And when we only think he speaks in one way, we limit him to what he may be trying to speak to us, and then we don't perceive what he's actually trying to tell us. Your prayer life is contingent upon if you believe God speaks or not. If you have a great prayer life, it's because you believe God actually speaks to you. If you don't pray much, it's because you don't believe God actually speaks back to you. So your prayer life will be contingent on your belief or your faith that God actually still speaks to you. If you believe it's a conversation, your prayer life will increase. If you believe it's a monologue, your prayer life will decrease. And we see this, so many people, even last week, talking about God still speaks. Most of us believe God speaks or we wouldn't pray. We wouldn't pray, we wouldn't ask God for advice, we wouldn't ask God about a decision we're going to make or who we're going to marry, who we're going to date, which job to take. And the question is, I've asked people so that, that God doesn't speak anymore. And I asked them, I said, but you, you believe God speaks. And they said, well, how do you know that? I said, because you pray. And if you pray, you pray because you believe God's going to answer your prayer. So how did you take that job that you took? Did you pray about it? Yes, I, took, I prayed about it. Well, why did you take that job? Because I felt led or I felt like God spoke to lead me to make that decision. How did you choose your spouse? How did you know it was time to get married? Well, I prayed about it. And so what happens is when you pray about it, you're asking God to speak to you about a situation. Now, in the Bible Belt, we don't actually pray for an answer. We pray so that we can blame God for whatever answer we want to give. So many people, you know, you ask them, something, well, let me pray about it, Pastor. What they're really saying is, I'm going to say no, but I want to let you know it's God's responsibility, not my own. We have to move from projecting our own desires onto God and let God speak and project his desires on us. Father, we thank you for your written word and your spoken word. We thank you for the voice of the Lord flowing through this place just like we read in Psalms 29. I pray that you speak to every single people, person in this place. And Father, I pray in these next few moments that you open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your voice, but also that you set the captives free that have been restricted by thinking that God is not speaking to them because he doesn't speak to them in the ways that other people hear. And Father, open up our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
What Elihu is telling Job is that God speaks in many different ways. He speaks in one way, though he speaks in two. He actually says a couple other ways later on in in chapters 34 and 35. And what he's saying is God speaks to us differently. God speaks to us all differently, and that is okay. Just because you're not hearing God's voice like somebody else, that doesn't make you less of a Christian. It just makes you different. It makes your personality different. It makes your gifting different. It makes your talents different. It makes your relationship with God unique, and God made every single one of us unique. He made our personalities different. He made our minds different. He made our Enneagrams different. He made our disc profile. He made us all different. So it's no coincidence that God speaks to us all differently. That's one of the beauties of the church is that God takes all these different individuals, all these different parts, all these different backgrounds, all these different giftings, all these different personalities, and he brings them together like an abstract painting to make this beautiful display of his glory and his grace for the world to see. And God speaks to you differently. He may speak to somebody else differently, and that is okay. It doesn't make you less Christian. It doesn't make you more of a Christian because God speaks to you in a way that seems more mystical or more supernatural. The goal is that God so desperately wants to speak to us that he has more than one way because he's trying to get to us any way he possibly can. He got to Balaam through a donkey. He is seeking to get our attention and speak his love and speak his purposes into us. And so today I just want to unpack a few of the different ways that God speaks so you can see kind of where you fall into the picture. Number one is this. God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. Everybody say Bible. God still speaks through this Bible. Actually, this is his primary way. When you list the spiritual gifts, I believe this is God's greatest spiritual gift to the world is this Bible, is this word. It is, it is inheritable. It is irrefutable. It is the standard for everything in our Christian walk. This tells us right and wrong. This tells us morality and immorality. This tells us sin and not sin. We don't have an opinion. Our opinion is whatever the Bible tells us. In Hebrews chapter 4 says this, for the word of God is living. Everybody say living. And active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Meaning the word of God will cut right through your opinion, right through your perspective, right through your whatever you think is right and wrong. The word cuts through that and says this is the way of God. This Bible still speaks. And so many people want to hear God's voice, yet their Bible is unopened. Like, if you want to hear God speak, open up his word. And there's a logos word, which means the written word. There's rhema word, which means God illuminates something in the scriptures or brings it to mind in a way that just stands out supernaturally. Meaning, have you ever read the Bible? And sometimes you read the Bible and you just read the Bible. But sometimes the Bible reads you. Like, you're reading it and all of a sudden it's, it's like the light bulb comes out in this word or this scripture. You're like, that is for me or, or that speaks right to my situation or right to my thing I'm going through, or right to my decision I need to make. That's a rhema word. That's proving the word is active and alive. This, this Bible was written over 2,000 years ago, but yet it still speaks to our individual circumstances and situations. And so many times it's been a rhema word. You only get a rhema word if you're studying the logos word. I mean, the more you study the Logos word, you read the Bible, you study the Bible, the more of a chance you have for God to give you a rhema 
word. It's hard to get a rhema word if you don't have the word inside of you. A couple years ago, we first came to chapel, a word that God gave me. I was reading through my Bible reading plan this year. I think it was 2013. I was reading through my Bible reading plan, and this word just popped off the page over and over and over again. It was the second Kings, but then I'm reading through in Isaiah. That same scripture was there because those two books overlap, but it said this. And this shall be a sign for you. The, this year, eat what grows of itself, and in the second year, what springs of the same. Then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord will do this. For that scripture, it may mean nothing to you. It may be a scripture on farming. In 2013, when I read that scripture, I could not get it out of my mind, out of my heart, out of my spirit. And what I felt like God was saying to me was that when you go to Christ's chapel, you need a three-year window. The first year, don't try to change anything. Don't try to do anything. Just glean whatever's left over. The second year, don't try to reap anything. Don't try to harvest anything. Just glean what's over. Start sowing seeds into the community. Then the third year, you can start sowing and reaping and harvesting, and there will be a remnant of the house that will remain. They'll begin to plant roots downward and produce fruit upward. I watched this word come to pass from 2014 to 2017. I can show you our church. I can show you our core members, our core team. It goes parallel just with this. I can show you the church growth went parallel with this. Like this word came to pass. It was a rhema word that God spoke to me from this Bible to my heart because God still speaks through his written word. If you'll throw that graphic up, and I actually believe that this word is the primary way God speaks to us. Outside of prophecy, outside of all the other ways we're gonna talk about, his Bible is the primary revelation of God's will on earth, which means if you have the Bible, that's that centerpiece. Anything supernatural or spiritual that God speaks to you will be within the confines of this word. God will not speak you to, you to something or speak something to you that's outside of the confines of his word. I mean, he's not going to tell you. I've heard people say, well, you know, I, we've had this at the altar one time. Somebody came to the front and said, well, I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm supposed to marry this person or not. Right? They're saying, well, I believe God is leading me to marry this person, X, Y, Z. Sounds great, except this person was already married. God's not going to do that. That is your craziness. So many times we think God's going to speak to something because we're such lazy disciples. We want God to speak something outside of his Bible instead of depending on his Bible. Meaning God will not speak anything outside of his word. If he does, that's false revelation. And so we as believers have to have the Bible as our foundation for every spiritual gift, every revelation for everything God wants to speak to us. So if you need a word from God, read the word. Read the word. Read it, study it, learn it, memorize it, let it get inside of you. And the more you have inside of you, the more that will come out of you. But God also speaks through his still, small voice. So he speaks through his written word, the Bible, but he also speaks through a still, small voice, or the ESV calls a gentle, low whisper. And it comes from uh, 1 Kings 19. It says this, And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. This is Elijah running from Jezebel. 
He confronted the prophets of Jezebel. He defeated them. Jezebel starts chasing him to kill him. He's running. He goes to Mount Carmel, which is the mountain of the Lord at this point in time. He's hiding in a cave. He's depressed. He's at a low point in his life. He's frustrated. He's tired. He's weary. He's tired. And he's on this mountain. All of a sudden, there's an earthquake. And literally, Elijah comes outside the cave. He thinks, is that the Lord? And the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Goes back inside the cave. There's a thunder and lightning and a fire. And he's, that, that's got to be the Lord. He comes out, and the Lord wasn't in that as well. He goes back into the cave, and a silence falls. And in the silence comes the gentle, low, still, small voice of the Lord. For those of us from Pentecostal charismatic backgrounds, you need to hear this. We're so busy to think the Lord's voice comes through the earthquake or through the fire or through the sign or through the wonder. Sometimes the voice of the Lord comes through the silent, lonely, desperate moments of your life. And when the voice of the Lord comes, he just slides in like a gentleman. He doesn't push. He doesn't prod. He doesn't provoke. He just slides in, begins to build a conversation with you. Sometimes it's a comforting conversation. Sometimes it's a moment of desperation and tiredness, that you see the encouragement of the Lord. Sometimes it's a corrective conversation. But the more you get to get in tune with his voice, the more you'll know which conversation he's leaning towards. Years ago, we had a terrible situation at our church. Our senior pastor had a, had a DUI, had a second DUI, and just all the church hurt, all the church politics just sprang up everywhere. And I, I was a pragmatic one. I had a joke with somebody this week. The young, when I was young, I used to think everything was black and white. This is the way. This is not the way. The older I get, I still think that, but I see a layer deeper. Instead of just seeing black and white, I see the root cause of someone's sin rather than just their sin. I see how God sees them rather than just how I see them. But in this stage, I was just like, oh, you're disqualified. You're this, you're that. Like I could put you in a corner quickly, spiritually. I was a great Pharisee. Great and so what happened was we were in a season of prayer and fasting, we were in worship, and all of a sudden God starts to speak to me. And this very conversational, gentle, low whisper, he starts to speak to me. And I remember I sat down, because we're in the sanctuary, a lot of times I'll just sit down when God begins to speak, so I can just kind of close everything else out. He said, hey, you need to, you need to call pastor. I said, mm, not going to do that, God. He said, no, you need to call him. And see, at the time, there's so much church turmoil and church hurt. If I would have called him, everyone else would have disliked me because I was reaching out to him. God says, you need to call him. I said, mm-hmm. He says, no, you need to call him. And I started having this argument with God. Like I was going to win at some point. It's like a teenager trying to argue with their parents. You're not going to win, I promise you. You'll need gas money at some point, you'll come right back. And I started having this conversation with God. He says, no, you need to reach out to him. You need to call him. I said, well, you know, you're right, God. I probably need to call him um, so he can, he can ask for my forgiveness, right? Because he's the one that did everything wrong. Like, you know, as Christians, we never do anything wrong. It's always somebody else's fault. And I was like, oh, you're right, God. I can. He said, no, no, no. You need to ask for his forgiveness. I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. He said, you said things in jest behind his back that were harming him while I was trying to rebuild him. I was like, no. Why can't I get the Joel Osteen voice from God? Encouragement in the Lord. Like, I was frustrated. So the next day, I'm going to the hospital. I call pastor. I call him. He doesn't answer. I said, ha, must not have been the Lord. I did what you asked me to do. Did not work. I missed it. I don't have to do anything. Five minutes later, pastor calls back. I was like, gosh. 
He starts talking, and I said, listen, I see, I see he's like, man, I've, I've said things behind your back that were probably harmful to you. They were, the intent was not bad. It was just in jest, trying to relieve the situation. And God is trying to rebuild you, and I was trying to tear you down. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. And it is one of the most beautiful conversations I've ever had. But it started with a still, small voice. And God still speaks in a still, small voice. Many times we try to pollute the air with earthquakes and fires and noise to sound out and drown out the voice of the Lord. Sometimes if you just quit talking, you'll hear that still, small voice in your life. Number three, God speaks through impressions, checks, and promptings. So he speaks through his word, the Bible. He speaks through that still, small voice, and he speaks through uh, impressions, checks, and promptings. What those are, checks, promptings, impressions, what they are is the Holy Spirit's influence over your emotions, your five senses, and your mind. Maybe the Holy Spirit will begin to influence your, your five senses. We all have five senses, and God will use all five senses to get your attention. He'll use them to get you to think about something, to get you to see something, to get you to feel something, to get you to uh, understand something. One of the easiest ways is people that are super empathetic towards people. I Meaning most of us are sympathetic. If somebody's hurting, then they, you know, they, they feel bad for them. Somebody with empathy, they don't just feel bad for somebody, they feel their pain. Like if somebody's going through a divorce, they like feel the grieving process of that divorce. If somebody has lost a loved one, they actually grieve like the loved one. If somebody has a physical pain, sometimes they feel that physical pain. Many times that's a sign that you have the gift of intercessory prayer. And God is using those impressions, those checks, and those promptings in your five senses or your body to get your attention. And what's important about those is many times they happen when you're not expecting them. They happen at the gas station, in a crowd, at church, that you'll have this impression like all of a sudden God will provoke something in you to change kind of the circumstance or situation. And so an impression is a thought planted by God. Meaning God will give you a thought and you're like, where did that come from? Like I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. Where did that, that come from? Or I never thought about doing X, Y, Z, or I never thought about praying for that person. I don't even know that person. It's just a random thought that God impresses upon your mind. A prompting is when God draws our attention to something or someone. Maybe you're in church and God just draws your attention to an individual or God draws your attention to a cause or to an issue or to something. God just highlights them. That's a prompting. And a check is when God just puts a supernatural stop sign in your way where God prevents you from doing something or saying something. It's almost like you're moving forward and God just keeps putting something in front of you and you don't know what it is, but it's that check from the Holy Spirit saying, stop right now. Yeah. For sometimes, it's, it's maybe you're, you're tempted with sin and you're about to cross the line and the Holy Spirit just keeps trying to, no, 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 no. And it's God trying to tell you, don't cross that Line. Sometimes it's maybe you're getting on an airplane or getting in a car and you're like, uh, prob I don't know what it is, but I don't need to go today. And there's a car accident on the way that you were supposed to be going. It's that check of the Holy Spirit saying no. Paul dealt with this in Acts chapter 16. It says this, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden. Everybody say forbidden. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Meaning Paul was going to speak the gospel and the Holy Spirit said no. 
Like I would think of all things, it's God's will for him to preach the gospel. But the Holy Spirit said, no, put that big check up in front of him. And when they had come to Mesha, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. There was a stop sign in front of them. A check in his spirit preventing him from doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing. Preventing him from walking out his desires or his purpose, the Holy Spirit put a big stop sign there. Number four, God speaks through visions while we're awake and dreams while we are asleep. He speaks through visions while we're awake and dreams while we are asleep. At Numbers 12, verse 6 says, and he said, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him. In a vision, I speak with him in a dream. This is the Old Testament. This is before the Holy Spirit even fallen or come upon us. And what happens is dreams are images consisting of thoughts and emotions while we are asleep. The images may tell a story or they may be completely crazy. Last year, I think it was last year, I was asleep. Obviously, when we're on good terms, Tony and I sleep in the same bed as long as things are good in the household. I'm asleep. I wake up in the middle of the night screaming, sweating, and sobbing which is completely out of, out of the normal, just in case you're wondering. And Toy said, what is going on? I said, baby, like, I just had this dream. And I started sharing with her the dream. It was somebody at church that had been sexually abused when they were younger. Literally, I was there almost like a third party watching it. But I saw how that abuse led to this decision, which led to this, which then led to this demonic influence in their life. And it scared the living daylights out of me, to be honest. Like, it broke my heart. But then it grieved me, and then it made me mad, it made me angry, and I felt every single emotion that was going on in this dream. And it was a word from God to me to change the way I pray for certain individuals. It was God moving me from a place of, you know, let's just pray to deliverance ministry, to unpack some bags that may be going on in people's lies. And Job 33 says this, in a dream and a vision of night, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber on their beds, then he opens up the ears. You know why I believe God speaks in dreams? It's because most of us are too stubborn to listen while we're awake. So God just bypasses our mental function, bypasses our ADHD, bypasses our plans, bypasses our purposes, and says, I'll just wait till you go to sleep, then you can't argue, then you have to listen. And he speaks sometimes his dreams of a better future. Sometimes his dreams of conviction or correction. Sometimes his dreams about somebody else. Sometimes it's just dreams that are bad dreams. Sometimes it's because you ate seafood right before you went to sleep or bad sushi or bad pizza. Visions are dreams we have while we are awake. In Acts chapter 16 again, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. The man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia to help us. So if you think about a dream, you have these visions, these pictures, these stories, these movies, these videos going on in your mind. You can have the same thing while you're awake, except you could be focused on something totally different and just seeing something in your mind, God playing something. That's a vision of the Lord. Sometimes it could be a vision for something God wants you to do. Here, Paul is trying to make the decision. The Holy Spirit stopped him from going to Asia. Now God has given him a vision to go into Macedonia by showing him a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here, we need you. We need the gospel. See, God will speak through dreams. God will speak through visions. I got saved through a vision. 
I was far away from God. I wasn't serving God. I didn't believe in God. Toya did. Toya had been praying for me. My spiritual mom had been praying for me. I'm far, far, far away from God. Went to work one night. I was working a second shift, mid shift at a factory in Cleveland, Ohio. I walk in. As soon as I walk in, I start hearing the word messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecy. It was, no one else could hear the words, but they were as loud as they possibly could be inside of my head. Messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecy. I clocked in. Eight-hour shift. I heard those words, the full eight-hour shift. I'm there doing my job, and I saw a vision of me preaching back in my hometown, in the only church I'd ever been into. Saw a, picture, a vision, a picture of me preaching in this Baptist church with a stained glass behind me, and it was like God was saying, come back. Went home. I Googled Messianic prophecy. I'd never heard the term before on a 56K dial-up modem. Kids, you have no idea what that is. I'm going to get that for my kids so they'll stay off the internet. You heard, it would take forever. You download a web page. You actually had to watch the page download. Messianic prophecy. Then I saw how Jesus fulfilled 300 plus Messianic prophecies. I went and woke Toya up that morning and just told her, I've been wrong about Jesus. And she's weeping as she said, we were praying for you all night long. As they prayed for me, God spoke to me. It's this crazy connection. But that vision, we literally packed up our bags and, and our daughter moved from Cleveland to Nashville with nothing. All because of a vision which God spoke to me that was so clear, it was more real than anything I'd ever seen in my life before. Five, God speaks to us through other believers. So he speaks to us through the word of God, through the still small voice of God, checks, promptings, and impressions. He also speaks through dreams and visions, but also through other people. And that is the word prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. And we're going to pack that in two weeks, but prophecy is nothing more than spontaneous thoughts that God gives you to encourage to comfort and build up other believers. That's all it is. It's thoughts, ideas, words, pictures that God gives you that he wants you to share with somebody else to encourage them, to build them up, and lift them up in the Lord. It is as simple as that. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, and on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their what? Upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. It's God-inspired encouragement. And we all need encouragement. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, encourage each other while it's still today. Meaning, we all need encouragement. And God is looking to encourage us through other people. But when you discount this gift, you lose the encouragement of the Lord. Let me be very transparent just for a second. I know when you hear the word prophecy... It brings up different ideas and notions. It brings up some of the people that prophesied that President Trump would win this election. It brings up some manipulation, some things, end times. It brings up all these ideas. And we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack that in two weeks, but I'll tell you this. It's not God's will for you to prophesy who wins the election. It's God's will for you to prophesy the encouragement and building up of other people. Like that is the gift of encouragement through and through. When we first got here seven years ago, this, this area of the shoals is a very spiritual, mystical area. There's a lot of spiritual influences through Native American activity, through church activity. You go to Huntsville, there's a lot of New Age, Wicca activity. It's like a, a, a hub of spiritual activity. And we got here, we come from a church background. We believe in the Word of God, reaching lost people, getting them saved, discipling them, getting them filled with the Holy Spirit, and praying in tongues. That was our mantra. I came here and everything was prophetic. 
We have prophetic preaching, prophetic dance, prophetic worship, prophetic Bible school, prophetic kids ministry, prophetic youth ministry. Everything was prophetic. And I'd ask somebody, I'd be like, what does that even mean? And they said, well, you know, prophetic prayer ministry is just regular altar ministry is, you know, you pray for somebody. Prophetic altar ministry means you pray to God to ask for something to share. Then you pray for somebody. I'm, that's not prophetic. That's entry-level Christianity. Like we can all hear God and pray for other people. And so I came to the season of us really being hurt and damaged and manipulated by prophetic ministry. People use the prophetic to project their will onto people and things rather than seeking God's will and speaking life and encouragement into things. And so we went through this just huge ordeal. Early 2015, Toy had been sick. She was literally in a wheelchair. 30, how old are you? 30? How old are you? 30, how old are you? 32. 32 years old. Now, 31, 32, she keeps lowering her age. You were 16, I guess. 16. My young wife was in a wheelchair with four kids. So it was a crazy season of circumstance. And I go to a prayer meeting with Every Nation, Rice Brooks, James Lowe, some guys in Nashville. We're at this dinner. I don't know anybody there. I've talked to one guy there. And they start telling all these ministers, hey, we're having a prayer meeting tomorrow for our meeting. But we also have this pastor, Jim Critcher, here who's going to prophesy. He's got some words for some people. I was like, mm, mm-mm, I've had enough of that. And I told James, I said, bro, like, I'm not coming. I said, I don't want to deal with that right now. It's just not the time. I'm still hurt, da, da, da. He said, bro, we don't do it like that. He's like, here's the accountability we use for the gift of prophecy. Anytime somebody gives you a word, we stop them. We pull out our phones. We record it. So one, if they're lying, they ain't going to speak on a recording because they know it'll come back and haunt them. But two, if it's a word from God, we want to be able to keep it so we can store it and use it to encourage ourselves in the Lord. So go to this prayer meeting, race our team, one of our elders are with us. You ever know, like, when you walk into a meeting and there's a prophetic person, you just know they're going to do something to you. You're the new guy. I was like, man, like, so I'm trying to, like, hide, like, as low as I can in my seat. He gives a word to the guy next to me, and he says, you, young man, I have this recording on my computer from six years ago. Still on my computer. I sent the pastor Rusty a couple weeks ago. He said, you, he said, God showed me about you last night at dinner. He said, I want you to know right now it feels like you're in a tornado. He said, it feels like everything's spinning around you. Everything's falling apart. Everything's being destroyed. He said, I want you to know, as quickly as the tornado started, it's going to stop. And when it stops, the house is going to settle. It's going to fall in the wicked witch of the West. It's a Wizard of Oz type prophecy. And he goes through, he said, in that, in that environment, that region for years, he said, if you do the history, there'll be spirit-filled pastor after spirit-filled pastor after spirit-filled pastor who's gone through moral failure and been broken or dismissed from ministry. He says, all an attack of the enemy to prevent from what God wants to do in that region. He said, God has brought you there to break through. He says, it's going to hurt. It's going to feel like you're being broken, but you're breaking through the wall God wants to break through. He said, two, he said, your wife, he didn't even know she was in a wheelchair. He said, your wife, she's going to get up out of that wheelchair. He said, the enemy picked the wrong woman. I said, he does no, you're not underestimating that. He said, she picked the wrong, he picked the wrong woman. She's going to get up out of that wheelchair. She's a fighter, and she's going to wreck hell for the kingdom of heaven. All from a word I didn't want. Because I'd been so damaged by prophetic ministry, I didn't want the encouragement of the Lord. I didn't want the uplifting. I didn't want the consolation. And again, like I'm going through right before this meeting, sit in my office, my office should be up front. I'm, I'm wore out. Literally, I had to go to the doctor. I thought I was having a heart attack at 34 years old. 
there was so much drama and stress and PTSD. And I'm sitting in my office. I just needed a break. And uh, the receptionist called back. She said, hey, so-and-so's here. Their cousin's a minister. They're here to talk to you. Listen, God bless the Shoals. Every single person's cousin and brother and auntie and grandfather and daddy has been a minister in the Lord at some point. Everybody. And I was thinking, I just don't have the time right now. I was like, please just, you know, I, no. Like, well, I'm sorry, but they're already here. I was like, oh, my gosh. Say, so come back, and I'm just done. They come back, and I won't say her name, but this, it's a heavy-set black lady, and she just sits there, and I'm just like, I'm just, I don't got time. Usually ministries want money. They want this. I'm, just, I'm sitting there, and she starts talking. She's sweet. She's kind. I'm just trying to get through the conversation. And finally, God, I felt it in my spirit. He just said, would you just shut up? Like, God may speak to y'all nicely. He just tells me, just shut up. And I was, he said, I just brought this lady from Chicago, Illinois, to you, to be a blessing to you and encourage you. Shut up and listen. And I was like, hmm, okay. So my attention was dead on after that. And she began to speak. She read my mail. She encouraged me in the Lord. She changed me from being Elijah running from Jezebel to Elijah chasing after Jezebel. And as she spoke, it was like these scales fell off my eyes. My chest got a little puffed out. My spine got stronger and my heart got softer. And so when I was at this Every Nation meeting, I told her, I said, hey, this lady came by. So James, like, he said her name, he said, so-and-so? I was like, yeah, so-and-so. He's like, dude, you don't know what walked into your church. I said, what do you mean? He said, that's Donnie McClurkin's godmother to his kids and his intercessor. That's so, he didn't know like 15 major pastors that is their intercessor. That is their prayer warrior. He said, she walked randomly into your church. That is not random. That is God. And I almost missed it. I almost missed it because I was so hurt and broken that I missed the prophetic gift of encouragement and healing in my life. And number six, God still speaks in an audible voice. He still speaks in an audible voice. In Acts chapter 9, Saul's on the Damascus road, and it says, Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard. Everybody say, he heard. He heard it, a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. God still speaks in an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. I know two people in my life that have, and here's what I'll tell you. Just because something is rare does not mean it's extinct. Just because something is rare does not mean it's extinct. There are certain things I've never seen. I've never seen the igloo in real life. I'm sure there's real igloos. I've never seen a Tasmanian devil. Just because it's rare doesn't mean they are extinct. The voice of the Lord, the audible voice, it is very rare. Very rare, but that does not mean it is extinct. And here's what I know. People say, well, if God would just speak to me audibly, then I would believe. If God would just speak from heaven and thunder his voice down, then I would know what to do. And here's what I tell you. You may not want to ask for that. Because the clearer the revelation God gives you, the more bold and dangerous the assignment. The more clear the revelation is from heaven, the more bold and dangerous the assignment is. Every single person God spoke to audibly, their assignment was almost martyrdom. 
Their assignment was losing everything. Their assignment was going all in to change something in the world for God's glory. So just because something is rare does not mean it's extinct. And just because God speaks doesn't mean you necessarily want that. Because the bolder it is, the clearer it is, the more dangerous and the greater responsibility you'll have to walk it out. And to understand where you're at, I, I read a message, watched a message from Havila Cunnington, who's a great Bible teacher, prophetic voice. And she says, out of these six or seven different ways God speaks, most people fall into one of four categories. So I'm going to help you out real quick. She calls these personal uh, prophetic personalities. So one is a, the knower personality. So the knower. So some of you in this room are the knower personality, meaning God speaks to you through thoughts. Like you have these aha moments you have these light bulb moments. You have these moments where where'd that thought come from type of moments. That's the knower personality. You just kind of know what God's will is. You kind of know what God is saying. It may be intuition. It may be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. But you just kind of know that's the knower personality. So some of you that are more deep in the Bible, many times you're a knower personality. Two would be the seer personality. The seer is the visionary they're the ones that see what God is saying. They see what God desires. They see his will. They see his purpose. They're seers. They're visionaries. They're dreamers. They're, they see visions. And they just kind of see. They, they see what God is trying to accomplish. So if you're more of a visionary type person, maybe you are a seer. Three would be the hearer personality. They kind of hear or sense what God is saying through hearing, through that inaudible voice, that still small voice. They're hearers. They kind of hear what God's will or hear or what God is trying to do. And then the fourth would be the feeler personality. They're the sensitive, emotional ones. You're the ones that are waiting for me to get to this point. The feeler is someone God speaks through through distinct experiences of God's emotions. You feel the heart of God. You feel the emotions of God. You feel the pain in other people. You kind of feel what God is doing or moving in the room. Some of you in a worship environment, you kind of feel what God is trying to accomplish. You're kind of more sensitive to the atmosphere. You're a feeler. You feel through impressions and checks and promptings. And some of you are feelers. All four personalities, guess what? God's still speaking to them. God doesn't leave out the knowers. He didn't leave out the seers. He didn't leave out the hearers. He didn't leave out the feelers. God speaks to them all. And if you're a knower, don't complain that you're not a hearer. Embrace the fact you're a knower. If you're a seer, don't complain that you're not a hearer. Just embrace that you get to see what God is trying to accomplish. And if you're a feeler and you're upset because you're not a, a seer, just be grateful God wants to share his emotions with you. See, God speaks in many different ways, and that is okay. It is okay. Actually, it's a blessing to the body that we get a perspective from a diversity of gifts and a diversity of people that helps us see what God is doing. And as I close, real quick, four ways to confirm if it's God's voice, your voice, the enemy's voice, or last night's pizza. Four quick tests to confirm God's voice. Number one, confirm God's voice with God's word. No matter if it's a vision, a dream, a voice, a prophetic word, no matter what it is, confirm it, test it against God's word. Does it align with the Bible? Because the Bible will never be contradicted by God's voice. This is God's voice written down on paper. Number two, confirm God's voice with the fruit of the Spirit. Do you get peace 
from this word or do you get anxiety from this word? Galatians 5, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Meaning if it's not a loving word, then it's probably not the spirit. Does it bring joy to your life? Does it bring peace? Does it produce patience? Does it produce kindness? Does it produce goodness? Does it produce faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Against such there is no law. If it's God's voice, it produces the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It does not remove the fruit of the Spirit. Confirm God's voice with God's people. Confirm it with two to three mature believers, not immature believers. If you feel like God is saying something to you or speaking to you, take it and say, man, this is what I feel like God is, is sharing when they're speaking to me. Get their input. From spiritual leaders. Samuel did this with Eli. He heard God's voice. He went back to Eli and he asked him, Hey, what is going on? He said, That's the Lord. He confirmed it through him. Find two or three people you can trust and confirm God's word with him. Then finally, confirm God's voice with his glory. Does whatever he's saying glorify him and his name, or does it glorify you and your desires? Because we exist for the glory of God. And when he speaks, it's always going to be something to move you deeper into the glory of God. And so many times, we're just looking for a voice to confirm our own biases, to confirm our own desires, and give us an out to do whatever we want to do. But when God speaks, he usually goes against your flesh and towards God's glory. And my prayer, my prayer for you, is that you begin to hear God's voice, whether you're a seer, a hearer, a knower, or a feeler, more clearly so you can be more obedient to him and his will, that you can begin to follow him to purpose and destiny and wherever he has you to go. You can be more encouraging to yourself and to others around you, and you can be who God has called you to be. And as we close, if you have the Church Center app or you can go online, this Havilah Cunnington has a great course on these four personalities, these four prophetic personalities. There's also a free quiz to find out which one you are. There's links to those in Church Center and online. Just click it, free personality quiz. And in the course, there's a price for the course. I don't know what it is. But it'll help you begin to walk that out and hear God's voice more clearly. Next week, we're going to tune in to how we can hear God more clearly for ourselves. Then we'll unpack prophecy. But if you would bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Right now, all in the room, the desire of God is to have a personal relationship with every single person on earth. He does that first and foremost through the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the blood of Jesus. He cleanses us, he washes us to remove every obstacle of sin away from us so we can be personally connected to the God, the creator of the entire universe. Two, he then sustains that relationship through communication, through prayer and through his voice. And I want to challenge you that your level of prayer is dependent and contingent upon how much you believe God wants to speak to you. And I want to tell you, God desperately wants to speak to you. If you're a knower, he wants to bring those ideas into your mind. If you're a hearer, he wants to speak in that that silent whisper, gentle whisper. If you're a feeler, he wants to bring his emotions into your emotions. If you're a seer, he wants to bring visions and dreams. He desperately wants to speak to you. But it all starts with removing the obstacles of sin out of your life. So if that's you, you're here this morning and say, you know what, there's sin in my life. I just need to repent to God right now so I can open up this communication between us and grow closer to him. I need to plead the blood of Jesus over my life. I need to confess my sin to him. I need to repent so I can move closer to him in every area of my life. That's you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. That's you. Just slip your hand up right where you are real quick. 
tonight. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. We thank you for your word, which is the authority in our lives. We thank you for the still, small voice that you speak on the inside of us. We thank you for dreams and visions that you may give us. We thank you for the audible voice. We thank you for the prophetic words in our lives. And Father, we just thank you for the checks and impressions and prompting. We thank you that you desperately want to seek after us and speak into our lives. And right now, Father, I just pray for an open heaven. I pray for open ears, open hearts, open spirits. And I pray that you begin to commune and communicate with your people. Father, for those who are intimidated by maybe those who are super Christians or those who create a, a standard expectation that they feel like they can't reach, I just pray that you speak to them right where they are. Father, those who have been hurt by a church or hurt by the gift of prophecy, Father, I pray that you bring healing so you can bring encouragement and consolation and comfort into the life through the house and through the body of believers. And Father, above all, we just pray that you receive glory for every single thing we do. In Jesus' name, amen.